Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on Pentecost Sunday. All right, Acts chapter 2. In verse 1. On the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. Now, at that time, there were Jewish worshipers who had immigrated from many different lands to live in Jerusalem. When the people of the city heard the roaring sound, crowds came running to where it was coming from, stunned over what was happening. Does anybody feel like I've read this passage the last four weeks? I have. It's okay. All right? You're gonna, we're going to memorize it. Stunned at what was happening because each one could hear the disciples speaking in his or her own language. Bewildered, they said to one another, aren't these all Galileans? So how is it that we hear them speaking in our own languages? We are Northeastern Iranians, Northwestern Iranians, Elamites, and those from Mesopotamia, Judea, East Central Turkey, the coastal areas of the Black Sea, Asia, North Central Turkey, Southern Turkey, Egypt, Libyans who are neighbors of the Serene, visitors from all over the Roman Empire, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Christians and Arabs, yet we hear them speaking God's mighty wonders in our own dialects. They all stood there dumbfounded and astonished, saying to one another, what is this phenomenon? <coughs> Today is Pentecost Sunday. It's the day that we acknowledge and celebrate the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit was poured out on 120 believers that were tearing in Jerusalem in an upper room, waiting to be endued with power from on high, 50 days after the Passover, which was the death of Christ and resurrection on that Passover Sunday. So we're super excited about today, but we're in a place in our nation, and, you know, there's ways that we handle situations like this as a pastor we completely avoid it and act like it's not happening so we don't have to touch it right we jump all over it and use it as a publicity stunt to get us a lot of recognition because we're the great white hope that is the one that is going to be the one to do all the great stuff for all our fellow humans, right? So many ways that we do it. We sensationalize crisis sometimes, and we avoid crisis and conflict many times, right? And so there's no simple answer, um, but today, you know, and people say, uh, people say, you need to speak up. You need to do something. I would agree. Um, but you don't just need to say anything, and you don't just need to do anything. And there's a lot of people that knee-jerk react and want to show that they're relevant and that they're cutting edge and they've got their thumb on the pulse of the nation and they are the ones that have something great to say, and they end up saying something stupid, Right? Um, I, I, I just saw some stars do some things this week, and they took a lot of flack for it, um, releasing videos trying to show their sympathy for pain and oppression. But these are people that in no way have walked through anything resembling that pain or oppression, yet they try to act like they can sympathize and that they can relate. 
and that's ridiculous. So I hope not to say anything ignorant today, and I haven't said anything for a week because I don't think we need to hurry to speak. I think we need to pray to speak. But I think I'm ready to speak today, so I'm going to speak. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit fell. What's amazing is when they left the upper room, the 120 believers had something, had an encounter, had a gift that when they left that upper room, they were able to say something that impacted all the people from every nation outside. So we want to just start talking without tarrying. They tarried for 10 days before they had something worth saying that would affect the nations. If we want to say something that's going to affect the nations, we've got to spend some, some time tearing. And in that tearing, that tearing will lead us to some experiences that I want to talk about today. And I believe we have to walk through those experiences before we have anything to say. The church is never going to be relevant against the issues of today until the church tarries and walks through some of these things that they had to walk through before they were relevant to go out and speak to the nations of the world and 3,000 be added in a day. Very first thing we see, all the disciples were gathered in one place in one accord. I've heard it joked that they drove a Honda. Because they ran one accord. At least it wasn't a Camry. Camrys, if you don't know, are a little smaller than Accords. Right? But they were all in one place and in one accord. The church has nothing relevant to say to the world until the church itself can get unified. We have to be in one mind and in one accord before the world will be able. You know what? I, I said it last week. Excuse me if I keep maybe touching on a few things. Maybe the Holy Spirit's just kind of hovering in some areas right now. That's okay. If there's rough spots, sometimes you got to keep the sander there a little bit longer. Right, Elias? Josiah, they've been sanding furniture in our house. Jahan's been cracking a whip. Boy, she got them guys working. <clears throat> but all the world hears is clanging cymbals and wah, 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 from the church so many times. The white church is not going to have anything to say to the black community. And the black church is not going to have anything to say to the white community. The church, with different levels of pigment in their melanin, is going to have a lot to say to the world around them that is made up of all kinds of people with different levels of melanin. Psalm 133.1, how wonderful and delightful to see brothers and sisters living together in sweet unity. Malachi 2.10, do we not all have one Father? Has not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously against his brother so as to profane the covenant of our Father? Romans 12, 16, live happily together in a spirit of harmony and be as mindful of another's worth as you are your own. Don't live with a lofty mindset thinking you're too important to serve others, but be willing to do menial tasks and identify those with those who are humble-minded. Don't be smug or even think for a moment that you know it all. 
Never hold a grudge or try to get even, but plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others. Do your best to live as everybody's friend. 1 Corinthians 1.10, I urge you, my brothers and sisters, for the sake of the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to agree to live in unity with one another and put to rest any division that attempts to tear you apart. Be restored as one united body living in perfect harmony. Be restored as one united body living in perfect harmony. Form a consistent choreography among yourselves having a common perspective with shared values. Philippians 2, 1 1 and 2, look at how much encouragement you found in your relationship with the anointed one. You are filled, excuse me, you are filled to overflowing with his comforting love. You have experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt his tender affection and mercy. So I'm asking you, friend, since all you've got to experience all this, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, and united in one love, walk together with one harmonious purpose, and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. Colossians 3, 13 and 14, tolerate the weaknesses of those in the family of faith, forgiving one another in the same way you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, release this same gift of forgiveness to them, for love is supreme and must flow through each of these virtues. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. It's time to grow up. 1 Peter 3, 8, now this is the goal to live in harmony with one another and demonstrate affectionate love, sympathy, and kindness toward other believers. Let humility describe who you are as you dearly love one another. 1 John 4, 11, delightful, delightfully loved ones. That's talking to you. Delightfully loved ones. If he loved us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. No one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor, but if we love one another, God makes his permanent home in us, and we make our permanent home in him, and his love is brought to its full expression in us. John 13, 35, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Not if you have nice church buildings. Not if you have cool bumper stickers. Not if you have more rules than the church down the street. So you're super spiritual. People are going to know we're his disciples if we love one another. And we can't speak for him if we're not his disciples. The world has rejected us as his disciples. Our message doesn't line up with his. And our lifestyle doesn't communicate what he sent us to communicate. If you guys will oblige me today, I know that the children are in here. And this is going to seem so elementary And maybe just some of you may think it's ridiculous. But I think these ignorant mindsets we have about our differences is ignorant. So maybe we need some elementary teaching. Maybe we need to go back to the basics. Anybody ever heard of Back to Genesis? Answers from Genesis, I'm not sure what it is. Ken Ham? I was looking over that this week. I found some great teaching material. You want to hear it? 
it's easy to see that people come in all shapes and sizes. Some are short, some are tall. Some have red hair, some have brown hair. Some have big noses, you get the point. Despite this variety, we tend to group people according to one or more physical features they share in common. These groups are often called races and the features that define them racial characteristics. Many people treat others differently depending on these supposed racial characteristics. They believe those differences are more than just skin deep and have implications for their value as human beings and even their place on the evolutionary ladder. God's word settles this issue. There's only one race of people. This is clear from the history found in Genesis. In the beginning, God created the first man, Adam. Then he created the first woman, Eve, from the man's side. Adam and Eve were our original parents, made in the image of God. All humans can be traced back to these two people. This is made abundantly clear in Genesis 3:20, where Adam said that Eve was the mother of all living. Does this seem elementary? Tell me how in the world we can get so off base if this teaching is beneath us. If we all know this, how in the world do we keep making distinctions among ourselves with evil motives? If we literally know that we're brother and sister, we must not know. We must forget. We must let our experiences rule instead of truth. We must make up our mind based on our prejudices and our parents' prejudices and their experiences and our grandparents' experiences, and we let those things overcome truth. Reminds me of uh, somebody cooking turkey for Thanksgiving, ham. And so they get ready to cook the ham, and they cut one quarter of the ham off before they stick it in the pan. This is a benign example. I wish that what is passed down from gener generation to generation was this benign, but it's not. We cut off whole sects of people because our mom cut off a sect of people. They cut off a quarter of the ham, and so eventually the mom was there one day, and and uh, somebody's complimenting the ham, and, and the daughter who cut it off said, oh, that's because I used mom's recipe, and I watched her cook it for years, and it's the way we prepare it, you know. We cut a quarter of it off and stick it in the pan. And the grandmother's there, and the mom says, yeah, that's the way grandma always did it, so that's the way I always did it, and so, man, that's why it's such a great ham. And the grandmother starts laughing. She says, guys... I couldn't afford a big enough pan for the ham. That's the only reason I used to cut a quarter of it off. We can't excuse our ignorance because of the limited capacity of the generation before us to see the truth. You got a big enough pan. There's a big enough Holy Spirit to be able to teach you the right way to love people, and you cannot use excuses about how my mom and my grandmother did it anymore. It don't work. Don't call yourself my brother and my sister if you hate people. So if we're all descendants of Adam and Eve, we should all look pretty much the same, right? Yes. How can we explain the differences in people? Well, there's this thing in Genesis chapter 11 where the Babylonians decided and this city decided they were going to show how advanced they were and just like Satan did in heaven, they were going to ascend the hill of the Lord. 
and they were going to exalt themselves by man's great wisdom, and they were going to build a tower into heaven and say, look, we're as great as God. And so God, in his great mercy, did not allow one group of people to bring a curse upon the whole world. So he confounded their languages. And the different people that had different languages obviously migrated together. And they dispersed not only in languages and in people groups, but they dispersed into regions. Because, I mean, why would we all stay in the same place when we can't listen? Hey, all of us that talk the same, this is frustrating going to the store with these people that don't talk the same, right? Let's go live over here. So God, in his mercy, different shades of skin tone should immediately cause us to fall on our knees and thank God for his mercy. What a gift he gave us. Together we were going to do something we couldn't take back, but he allowed us to separate for a season. For a season. And live and thrive in our different people groups. So let's look at this. Uh, where are we at? That was my own stuff. Let me go back to this teaching here. As the battle, groups could not easily mix. They became genetically Mike's going out. They became genetically isolated, meaning that... Let me tuck my shirt in. Maybe that'll fix it. Put it outside. I got solutions. Let's see if it works. They became genetically isolated, meaning that they married and had offspring primarily within their particular group, right? As the years passed, each group developed its own culture and ways of doing things. Genetically isolated, certain physical traits became more prominent in each group. These ethnic characteristics are wrongly considered racial characteristics. But there's only one race, the human race. All of these people were simply people. These are not racial characteristics. Their uh, physical traits, ethnic characteristics. Let's use skin color. I'm, I'm about done, guys, with my teaching. To illustrate the process, the pigment primarily responsible for everyone's skin color is melanin. Ultimately, everyone has the same skin color. That just blow your mind? Y'all are like, man, he's crazy. That ain't true. Okay, whatever. We just have varying skin tones. The two forms of melanin are eumelanin, eumelanin, brown to black, and femolanin, red to yellow. Their proportion determines skin tone. So what would cause some people to have very dark skin while other skin is lighter? Where they live makes a difference. For example, darker skin on people living in regions near the equator protects them from intense sunlight, reducing their risk of skin cancer. Isn't God amazing? I'm going to separate y'all so y'all don't do something you'll regret, and I'm going to send you guys all to live in beautiful places, and you're all going to be equipped to live there. Where am I at? Let's see. Tense sunlight. People in higher latitudes where there is less intense sunlight need lighter skin to produce vitamin D efficiently. Alaska, they get what? How much sunlight a day? 
You need lighter skin to be able to get all of the vitamin D, more vitamin D out of the light. In each case, those who had the characteristics conducive to living in the region stayed. It's like, oh, this works well for us, right? Sometimes we walk on eggshells. Look, people with darker skin tones usually get cold faster, right? Help me out. Usually, we're like, oh, man, let's don't talk about any differences. Man, there's differences. So, hey, man, I'm accustomed to living here. And I'm out there like, dude, I'm about to stroke out from heat over here. I'm going to Alaska. I'm going to Iceland. Right? And then the differences get magnified as we continue to be with people that are slightly different and we're all producing in slightly different, then those differences get magnified. But they're still amazingly beautiful. How in the world do we get to where differences, ethnic differences, literally somehow have something to do with evolutionary process? Do you understand? Let me just say it. Do you understand how deeply embedded in the satanic it is? Do you understand what all you have to believe to believe that there are different uh, skin tones that are superior to other skin tones? It's a sin against God and the creator. It's not just about warm, fuzzy love for one another and accepting differences and diversity. No, it's a sin against God. So those with more conducive stayed. Those that didn't either move out, moved on, or died. I would die in some conditions that some people would thrive in. Over many generations, these favorable, say favorable. All differences are favorable. These favorable characteristics would be carried forward in the gene pool, and the less favorable characteristics would tend to fall away. So who we are in our ethnic characteristics is the ultimate prime example of who we were created to be. Right? My differences just, just scream out, look how amazing God is. He made us all the same, yet he, yet he made us all the same in a way that we would be able to adapt and thrive in different environments. Only God can do that. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit can make a person be different and the same. Huh? It'd be like trying to love God and hate the Holy Spirit. Some people do. That's how ignorant it is to try to love one color skin tone and hate another color skin tone. Makes no sense. Thus, genetic variability in isolated populations gradually decreases. So, before long, all of us are the same in our area. Right? Oh, goodness, I need to hurry. So today, people with very dark skin usually have children with dark skin. People with very light skin usually have light skin children. However, people with middle brown skin often have children with much wider range of skin tones. Why? Because these middle brown people groups still have significant genetic variability within regard to skin tone. Based on our understanding of the inheritance of skin tone, we strongly suspect... Hold your seat. Adam and Eve were middle brown. These racist, ignorant people 
that God loves, and I pray mercy for them. Their great-great ancestors were middle brown. And they genuinely believe they're a superior race. Beyond skin tone, other characteristics are usually are used to distinguish one group of people from another. These include straight versus curly hair, thickness of lips, and the shape of eyelids. These features would have developed or become more prominent in various isolated people groups over generations. Regrettably, 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 instead of giving glory to God for the differences between us, we fallen human beings use these features as an excuse to judge our fellow man. The problem is that most people, including many Christians, do not base their worldview and values on the Bible. Instead, they ignore God's truth and adopt man's ideas and values. This is always dangerous, but it may be most destructive in the area of human origins and its implications for social behavior. The most prominent view of origins today is called evolution. According to the evolutionary worldview, humans evolved from an ape-like ancestor over millions of years. Unfortunately, many have used this philosophy to teach that different people groups evolved at different rates. This allowed them to consider some groups as less evolved than others, some races closer to apes than others, always putting their own race at the top of the scale, of course. While evolutionary thinking certainly intensifies racist attitude, evolution is not the cause of racism. The cause of racism is sin. Man's inhumanity towards his fellow man has existed since the fall. The very first sin recorded after Adam took the forbidden fruit is Cain's murder of his brother Abel. And a few verses later in the same chapter, Lamech actually brags about killing a man. Racism is sin. It's the sin of inhumanity. Evolutionary ideas about the races taught for many decades are now so ingrained in some people's thinking that it is nigh impossible to correct their misperceptions. But in truth, all humans are fully human. No group of people is less evolved than another. In fact, the genetic difference between any two people is only about one-tenth of one percent. Trivial at best. One-tenth of one percent of any two people. Interestingly, this, this really got me, genetic variation among people within a particular ethnic group is often greater than between members of different ethnic groups. So actually, genetic variation between me and Jeremy Bean... is greater than between me and John. That's what they find, study after study, that I'm actually more genetically like John than I am Jeremy Bean. The variations are greater within the same gene pool. Scientists evolved with mapping the human genome have declared that there is only one race, the human race. Some have even said that the term race is meaningless. I agree. God's word is clear. There's one race. Acts 17, 26 reads, And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. We can rightly talk about people groups, but only with the understanding that these groups represent what the Bible refers to as tribes or nations. People do have ethnic and cultural heritages that can be honored and celebrated, but we're all one blood. Even in the midst of our differences, we are the same. 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are God's chosen treasure. Priests who are kings 
a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light, and now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. For at one time, you were not God's people. That's all that matters. You know what? We were all outside of being his people. But now you are. At one time, you knew nothing of God's mercy because you hadn't received it yet, but now you are drenched with it. Galatians 3, 26, you have all become true children of God by the faith of Jesus, the anointed one. It was faith that immersed you into Jesus, the anointed one, and now you are covered and clothed with his anointing. And we are no longer, and we no longer see each other in our former state, Jew or non-Jew, rich or poor, male or female, because we're all one through our union with Jesus Christ and no distinction between us. Guys, I didn't give you this scripture, and I don't know why. It was one of my foundational scriptures, and somehow I just missed it in my notes. I know, golly, it's 1237. James chapter 2, verse 1, Passion Translation. My dear brothers and sisters, fellow believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, how could we say that we have faith in him, and yet we favor one group of people above another? Suppose an influential man comes into your worship meeting wearing gold rings and expensive clothing and also a homeless man in shabby clothes comes in. If you show special attention to the rich man in expensive clothes and say, here's a seat of honor for you right up front, but you turn and say to the poor beggar dressed in rags, you can stand over here or sit over there on the floor in the back, then you've demonstrated, verse 4, then you've demonstrated gross prejudice among yourself and used evil standards of judgment. So listen carefully, my dear brothers and sisters. God has, not cho- God has chosen the poor of this world's eyes to be those who are rich in faith, and won't, he be, won't they be heirs of the kingdom we're in promise to those who love him? But yet you insult and shun the poor in your efforts to impress the rich. Isn't it the wealth who exports you and drag you into court? Aren't they the very ones who blaspheme the beautiful name of the one you belong Your calling is to fulfill the royal law of love as given to you, to us in this scripture. You must love and value your neighbor as you love and value yourself. For keeping this law is the noble way to live, but when you show prejudice, you commit sin and you violate this royal law of love. You know what blows my mind? This is even prevalent in the church. I know sometimes we live in a bubble. I, I, I live in a bubble sometimes. But I know people in our state, in this state, not far-fetched, not in some far-removed place. There's places in this state that you go and church-wide held beliefs are so prejudiced and racial, it's unbelievable. You commit sin. What's amazing to me is... Just like in James chapter 2, it talks about the rich and the poor. It talks about it talks about Samaritans and not. It talks about different characteristics of people as, as standing out that would cause you to have prejudices. You know what I never noticed in the New Testament? Like skin color is not even addressed. How in the world have we somehow drugged that into the church? It's not even used as an example to not do. It was so not even thought of. It wasn't a thing. You research, you'll find out different characters testament you'll learn their skin tone but the bible did not make a point to point out the skin tone because it was so significant that there was varying skin tone there it's just not even there why is it here
want the glory. We want heaven like it is in heaven. We want it on earth. Do we? Or do we want the goosebumps and hold on to our prejudice? We've got to go. That's my introduction. <laughs> Let me just say this. They were gathered in one place, in one accord. Verse 2, suddenly they... Get back with me, guys. Acts 2, I'm sorry. I jumped back up to the very first verse. Suddenly they heard. So while we're tearing, what do we need to be doing? The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Verse 3, then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. They saw. All this stuff happened before they spoke. They tarried. They got in one mind and one accord. They listened. And they saw. Seeing, I had so much scripture, but it's an enlightened state. Hearing is one thing, but hearing actually turns into seeing when hearing is bathed in the Holy Spirit. We got to get in one mind, we got to get in one accord, and we've got to listen. We got to listen. We got to listen in a way that it lets us see. Let's just change the way we see. The eyes, the lamp to the body. If the lie is bad, then the whole body is bad. The eyes dark. How dark is darkness that we think is light? Maybe I'll come back and preach the rest of it. I don't know. No, I've got to preach. Christians can do whatever they want, whenever they want. Can you just see the heart of God on the day of Pentecost? Can you see the giddiness of heaven reflecting back on the Tower of Babel? And he's like, this is the culminating moment. I've been waiting to be able to bring them all back together. But I couldn't do it because they couldn't hear right and they couldn't see right. It was expedient for them that I went away so that the Holy Spirit could come. So that if they'll just tarry and they'll just get in unity and if they'll just listen and if they'll just see, then they'll be able to communicate with one another rightly. And it won't produce a tower that tries to ascend into the heavens, but it'll ascend a fragrance that ascends into the heavens. The culminating moment. Here we go. Watch this. All these nations are here. You remember that? And you know, he's outside of time and space. So, I mean, the day of Babel and the day of Pentecost are all the same. And he sees it the same, right? So even when he has to spank us a little bit and separate us, he's right in the moment where he's seeing the fulfillment of when we turn our hearts back to him and we see him and we're thankful for the spanking. He's in both those moments at the same time. And the day of Pentecost was the day that he massaged the womb of the spanking of Babel and he gave us language to come back together again. Can you imagine the giddiness of heaven as he celebrates the varying successes and thrivings of his mercy at work? Look at that, I had to separate them, but I let them thrive. Look how beautiful they all are. Oh my goodness. 
because of Babel, it's actually more beautiful than it was to start with. I'm so thankful that that happened. Oh my goodness, there's so much diversity and varying things now. My goodness, this is so beautiful. It's more representative of the kingdom. It's more representative now of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's more representative of multiple varying entities that are one and one blood and one body. It's more beautiful now than before, and now they can speak again. And he's outside of time or space, so he's at the Tower of Babel. He's in the day of Pentecost. <laughs> and he's sitting beside a man with his knee on another man's neck. Can you imagine the heartbreak? <laughs> Oh, the Father. And he's there in the moments of all this hate and all this murder. Man, I'm, this is heavy for kids. I'm so sorry. I want to make heaven giddy. I don't want to make heaven heartbroken. Oh. I wish this was a theory. I wish this was a hypothetical. But it's not. This is real. And this is now. And it demands a response from the church. We must be the church. We must be tearing. We must be united. We must be listening. We must be seeing. And after we've marinated long enough that our words are seasoned with grace, then we can release them to bring edification to the moment. Can you stand up with me, guys? I know we're super, super, super late. There's so many goofy slogans. Like, I don't see color, that's stupid. I want to see color. <laughs> color magnifies the Creator. Every time I see color, I want to remember that we were exactly the same, but because of God's mercy, he let us be different yes. <laughs> instead of killing us. Yes, right. It's like be different or die. <laughs> Every time we see that we're different, be thankful that we didn't die. We love you, Lord. Lord, would you help us to listen? You know where you, you know what you got to do to listen? You got to be in the same place occasionally. It's time to get in the same place. It's time to get out of your neighborhood. It's time to get out of your picket fence. It's time to get out of wherever we are. 
It's time to get in the same place. You can't hear when you're not even in the same ballpark. So it's time to lessen the proximity so that we can hear what's being said. It's our responsibility. Go, go, go. And we need to listen. We need to see. And then maybe then, then maybe then speak. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your call. Thank you for your spirit that empowers us. We will be obedient. We will go. We will listen. We will see. And we will speak. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can I say one thing outside of my sermon? Don't race to be right. Because at the end of the day, you got your right stick and that's all you got. Woohoo, I won the right trophy. Nine times out of ten, it's like, yeah, that's awesome, Captain Obvious. That was wrong what that person did. That was wrong what they did. That was wrong. Yeah, that's great. We saw that. Be ten times more powerful if you get began to be broken about why they did what they did. You ever said something and nobody listened several times? Have you ever just yelled after a while? No longer the goal was really to actually even be heard. It was just to release your frustration. I know people are responding in ways they shouldn't respond and maybe doing things they shouldn't do. But my goodness. Well, that's not effective. Thank you for your input. Thank you for your deep, amazing input on what effective social change you know, what is needed to bring about social change. I think everyone, you think everybody knows breaking into Target's not going to bring social change? But how about a little understanding? Maybe somebody's just screaming. Maybe somebody's just releasing rage. It don't help me to know who's right and point my finger and say what's not going to help good for me to try to understand the pain of another human being and try my best to listen see and hear I love y'all be blessed be salt and light listen, see go in Jesus name, pray amen, amen, we love you Wednesday night will be on 7.30. It's going to be good. Reached out to a dear friend of mine with a different melanin skin tone than me. Pastor's in Nashville. I'm hoping he's able to be on with me. It's going to be a great conversation. Love you guys so much. Be blessed. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.